ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the We Are Podcast. This is your host, Jared Prugar, on DK Sports Radio. This is the, one of the more exciting times of the year as we gear up for the blue-white game uh, next week. I will lo- I'm will. i lucky and fortunate enough to be in attendance, as will first-year students uh, with Penn State. So there will be fans. There will be the band. This is about as normal as a situation as we can, that we've had um, in quite some time, dating back to 2019 in, in the last game at, at Beaver Stadium in the in Cotton Bowl uh, for the Nittany Lions. So normalcy is is rearing and in, in, in on its way back um, in Happy Valley, but you know it, it's it's more than that. We get to see a game on the field now. It's the blue white game. It's it's not nearly as exciting as a typical blue white game because there isn't. There isn't going to be the pomp and circumstance of tailgating and meeting new friends, old friends, um, alumni, uh, former players, um, but it's it's something, and that's exactly what is needed um, at this point in time. Because really, you know, this is this has been a long time coming. It's been it's been a long year, um, and in Beaver Stadium, when you looked at it during the season, it at times it looked as ugly without fans there as Penn State did on the field. And that and when you play in front of 107,000 fans every day and 70,000 fans on your in a scrimmage, um, it's very tough to to kind of get yourself motivated to to go out and perform. Um, but it's just so different and you can hear everything you're all you see is concrete and aluminum and and steel and just emptiness. And, and that's tough. That really is tough. But this week, uh, coming up, we have the blue-white game on Saturday. It's going to be an excellent opportunity for Penn State both to get back to normal, but it's also going to give the university a dry run and what they need to do to keep everything socially distanced. Now, there are only going to be a couple thousand fans in there um, that are currently first-year students at, at Penn State, but as well as friend, friends, family, and, and guests of the staff, um, and their player in the players, but it gives them a dry run. Should that not be up to capacity um, in the fall, so that's that's excellent on the university side of it. But the players are going to get to play in front of fans for the first time in quite some time, and that's huge too. Even though it's it's a minimal crowd, but you know we we talk about this all the time, right? You talk about the exhibition season and, and the spring practice season. It's about repetition. It's about getting those reps and getting the reps that you need uh, to get better every day. And, you know, you're not going to see Sean Clifford out there throwing bombs uh, in the fourth quarter or however they're going to set up the scrimmage. He's going to get a series, if that, and and that's how Penn State's going to go. And I wouldn't expect to see Parker Washington or Jahan Dotson either um, very much. Those guys are etched in stone in their positions. Now, there are going to be some battles, um, I think, that – that will allow Penn State uh, to showcase some some of those veteran guys um, as they as they battle for position. I'm excited to see what they've done with the right guard. I'm excited to see how they replace some of those guys along the offensive line, um, and I'm excited to see some of these freshmen. and And I don't just mean the freshmen from last year because they are still freshmen. They're freshmen one A or or however they want to however they want to do it. But I'm also excited to see the new freshmen, like the King Twins. They've had a great season, like Kobe and Kalen King. Um, they've had an excellent spring so far, from what I've heard, um, in the defensive backfield. I want to see Christian Veyu, um be able to perform. And I want to see some of those guys just kind of 
step up and and go because Penn State's freshman lineup is huge. Um, you know, it, it, the amount of freshmen that they have is probably more so than than a lot of other teams. Now that does that does take into effect a large class from last season, um, but it's still the the concept remains the same. They're still freshmen. Now those guys that played last year have that extra year of experience um, as they embark on the rest of their Penn State journey. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they how they continue to, to utilize those guys. I'm excited to see uh, guys like Landon Tengwall, who came into camp huge. Nate Bruce, who came into, those guys came into camp looking, or into spring practice, looking like college football players. Um, and they were seniors in high school. So I'm excited to see that, because that's going to be huge. I mean, they're um, I'm excited to see Theo Johnson, even though he's returning. I'm excited to see Brenton Strange. I'm excited to see some of these guys out in the field and see how that developmental period in the spring has helped those guys and helped take their games to the next level because these are guys that were kind of thrown in the fire last year. Same, th- same thing with Parker Washington and, and um, Kevon Lee, right? They, you're not expecting them to play. And, and in all honesty, in a perfect world, they probably don't. Um, but, you know, the situation dictated. And it's a little different for the receivers than it was for the running backs. You know, Kevon Lee... And, um, he was, he wasn't even on the, he was barely on the depth chart at the beginning of the season. And then by the, by the first game he, um, they were, and you know, that's, that's kind of the nature of the beast, but it's a, it's a young team. It's a young and and experienced team at the same time, which is weird to say because just the way the the classifications fall, but there's a lot to look forward to when Penn State hits the field. I mean, like I said, you know, you talk about a, um, a Curtis Joseph type player, uh, he's, I think he's, he's set to, to have an excellent spring and an excellent spring game. Um, but how much is he going to play? We're going to see those young guys. We're going to see them displayed and this is their opportunity. This is where you figure out who your twos, threes, and fours are. Your ones are decided already. Um, and then your, your ones will be reevaluated entering camp and, and over the summer pending injuries and, and transfers, because I don't think Penn State's done with that yet. Um, both bringing people in or, or seeing people go because, you know, it's going to see how, how things play out, um, in the spring and and in the summer. So it's going to be, it's going to be great and an excellent opportunity to see that on the field. Um, and, and, and you get to see the first look of, of Mike Yersich's offense. You get to see the first look of some of these guys, um, on the field and, and see how Penn State's going to set things up in the fall. You're not, it's going to be pretty vanilla. You're not going to see... Um, every play in the playbook, and, and nor should you. Um, I mean, it's because not not every play has been installed yet. But at the same time, it's going to be the base, uh, base of the offense. You're going to see the plays that they run fairly well. What they want you to see is what you're going to see. Uh, what they don't want you to see is, is going to be something that's not it's not publicized, and that'll be saved for the season. That's just kind of the way that it goes. But like I've like I've been saying, it's it's going to be an excellent opportunity to see those new faces, and the and the new players too, um, and see them kind of featured a little bit more than some of the older guys like a Clifford, and, and like a Dotson, and then, you know you look at the defensive side, you what are you, what are they going to do at linebacker? You lose and or or especially on the defensive line, you lose three fourths of your starters, one to transfer and two to the NFL. So what are you going to do at, at end? How are you going to evaluate that? What are you going to do there? Um, so it's going to be an excellent opportunity to get out and see that, and I'm excited to not only be there, but to also tell you those stories and, and tell you how they've grown over uh, spring practice. But when we come back to the We Are podcast in segment two, I've got a special guest, Matt um, DeBoer from 
RoarLionsRoar.com is going to be on, on in the next segment talking about the 2020 season, uh, what went wrong for Penn State, and, and what can be expected when they return to the field uh, for 2021. I hope you'll tune in, and, and I'll talk to you soon. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast. I am lucky to be joined with a former colleague of mine, Matt DeBear of RoarLionsRoar.com. Matt, thanks for joining the program today. Uh, great for having me. Thanks. So at Roar Lions Roar, what, do you, what is your primary focus? Because obviously you guys talk about Penn State, but if for those of you that, that are new to, to Penn State and, and following the program, what is your, what would you say is your specialty at the site? Um, well, we're – you know, the fully independent site where we started, um, ironically enough, fortuitously enough for us before the 2016 season um, as, you know, an independent fan site and, um, you know, primarily Penn State football, Penn State basketball and, and recruiting. Um, we try and do it from, you know, from a, a fan's perspective as opposed to, um, you know, someone who covers the team for a living. So, um, you know, everyone on, on our staff, um, current student, recent grad, myself, not as recent grad, um, but we all, you know, have, you know, one thing in common is we all have a love for Penn State and, um, you know, we, we cover the, the, the program and the, and the school from, from that perspective as opposed to, um, you know, the, you know the, the daily papers and things like that where you've got, you know, certainly very talented beat writers, but it's, you know, more from a, an informational standpoint. We try and try and do that sort of thing, but do it with an eye on, you know, if, if we were reading it, what would we want to hear? Um, that's that kind of mindset. And, and those of you that have followed me wherever I've gone, I, I did spend some time with rural lines were on the staff there covering Penn state football for them while we did not cover it for DK Pittsburgh sports. So I obviously am very appreciative of Matt for that uh, opportunity. And that leads us to what we're talking about today. Um, the 2020 season was um, historically terrible. Um, and I don't think that there's any any right or wrong way to say that it was just playing out bad. And Matt, you've seen a lot of football, both as covering it with your site, but also as you know, as a student at Penn State and those sorts of things. What went wrong in 2020 for Penn State? Oh, that's a that's a lengthy answer. Um, but it, I think it really started you know not too long after the calendar flipped to 2020. Um, you know, obviously you know, the, the COVID pandemic and, you know, all the fallout from that impacted everyone to varying degrees. But I think, um, and we talked about this a lot um, on our, our sites podcast and some of the stuff we wrote over the last year that Penn state probably more than any other program in the country was impacted in a negative sense, more significantly than just what anyone else for a variety of reasons um, on the field, you had, you know, the, the new coaches on board, um, you know, new, new, and a new offensive coordinator among that. So you're trying to install a new system with a guy who can't get on the field with his, his players. They're, they're learning an offense through Zoom. Um, you've got a new offensive line coach, a new defensive line coach, and a new wide receivers coach. Same thing. They're, they're, they're learning their, their new players virtually, um, like we all did in, in our nine to five jobs, you know, doing it through Zoom and, um, you know, 100% virtually. 
from a recruiting standpoint, you know, Penn State relies so much on getting kids on campus. They couldn't do any of that. I mean, haven't been able to do any of that um, from an official visit or unofficial visit standpoint with staff and players and that sort of thing for over a year now. Um, and then I think one of the things that really gets overlooked that we've actually found ourselves talking about um, uh, over the last couple of weeks on Roarline Drawer is the off-season training. Um, you know, it got a lot of news recently with um, Jason Owe and Micah Parsons, among others, blowing up at, at Pro Day recently and the work that Dwight Galt does. Well, he didn't have his, you know, the entire team was not on campus for about three months. Um, so not only no spring practice, but no real um, professional level strength and conditioning going on. You've got guys that are looking to add weight or add strength or, or speed or whatever it might be training with whatever they could find, you know, in their high school gym or, or worse. So you know, just from a, a logistical standpoint, early on, they, they're behind the eight ball. And then you had, you know, the, the reality of how the season started to fast forward to October of last year. And it really just snowballed from there. Um, you and I were talking before we, we started recording about, you know, what does the season look like if Michael Penix has ruled an inch short instead of just in by an inch, um, you know, how does that how does that change you know kind of the 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 outlook going forward from there if they come away with a win there and they're feeling a little bit better about themselves rather than you know the first uh, trickle of a snowball downhill you know leading to that zero and five start and it just it really felt like it took an awful long time for anything to go right for the program um, you know even those wins late in the year like you and I were talking about just a couple minutes ago they weren't a whole lot of fun. Um, it was pulling teeth at times, but it felt like they started to push things back uphill a little bit there. They kind of got some semblance of momentum. And then it really felt like when the calendar turned to 2021, that you know, the decision to move, move on from Kirk Chirac after a year, um, the, the infusion of Mike Yersich, um, Anthony Poindexter um, joining the staff to coach safeties after Tim Banks left for the defensive coordinator job at Tennessee. All these things have kind of come together with spring practice starting again. The first time they've had a spring practice in two years. Um, there's an excitement around the program um, to some degree that we really haven't had for a couple of years because of everything that's just quite frankly gone wrong, whether self-inflicted or out of the control of the program. Um, it's really like this new day has arisen in a sense with, you know, new coaches, new offensive philosophy, um, you know, some recruiting trail buzz um, and just some general excitement um, about where it feels like things are going to be um, going forward over the next couple of months as things improve, you know, hopefully over the next few months with, with the public health situation, all these things kind of coming together to kind of have this 180 from, from a year ago. Right. And I think that's a really good point because, when you looked at, at 2020 and going into spring practice, even before COVID hit, it really wasn't a warm, fuzzy feeling, but now you look at it and you're going into 2021 and there's excitement there. They had that, they got the ball rolling. Um, they beat Illinois obviously, and they made the coaching hires that I think not only the staff and the program needed, but the fans wanted too. Um, I don't, as of right now, obviously it's too early to tell whether they're going to pay off, but I think automatically you get a guy like your and that's huge for the program moving forward because, you know, you know as well as anybody when you're covering some of these guys and they're gonna, there's going to be some fiery guys and some emotional guys. And typically, James Franklin has had that on his staff, and I never really saw that under Sharaka last year. 
Yeah, I think um, I'm trying to pick my words carefully because obviously um, Chirac has been successful everywhere he's gone. But I think more than anything, you know, stylistically, that's that's one whole ball of wax. But I think when you look at just the personality of what James Franklin's coaching staffs have been, especially the more successful ones since he's been at Penn State, they've had that little bit of attitude. They've had that personality. And it just felt like last year was lacking that in a lot of ways. And like I said, a lot of that is was due to reasons outside of anyone's control. But there, that buzz from you know, what Mike Yurcich wants to do on offense, the way he talks about it. And one of the things that's really struck me over the last couple of weeks as you're hearing um, some of these players talk and their media availabilities during spring practice is the energy that um, not only Mike Yurcich, but Anthony Poindexter has kind of brought to the practice field. And I think it was, it was one of the coaches, I believe, who mentioned that they really missed that element um, that Sean Spencer brought, Um, you know, longtime assistant, uh, with James Franklin at a number of stops um, on, on his career. And I think his personality was infectious and I think was really symbolic of what James Franklin wants his program to be. And they lost a big part of that when he left for the Giants job. And I think from all early indications, at least, is they've recaptured some of that um, that personality. It's a different personality, but it's a personality nonetheless. Um with a guy like Poindexter, I think you're such, um, well, you know, a different kind of, of guy than Poindexter. I think his philosophy and the way he he wants to to run an offense brings some of that back too. And a lot like Joe Moorhead did, who wasn't the most fiery guy when you heard him talk or or watched him on the sidelines, um, but you saw it come through in in the way he called games and the way his players um, brought energy to the field. And I think that's kind of what you see with Yersich is. Um, you know, a system that players want to play in that feel like they can make big plays and um, that generates a personality of a team. And I think all that stuff is important, you know, as, as much as we talk about X's and O's and, you know, when to punt and, and go for it, you know, when to run, when to pass, that personality and belief and energy of a team is, is critical too, especially at the college level when you're dealing with, you know, 18 to 22 year old kids that are, um, you know, up and down, like, you know, it's, it's a different mindset than a, than a pro football player, for example, where you've got guys that are dealing with finals and girlfriends and, you know, trivial stuff that when you're 18 or 21 years old is a bigger deal than it is when you're you know, a little bit older, like, like I am, for example, but all that stuff matters. And I think when you're excited to go practice, you're excited to play, you're excited to be around your team and be in the building that creates an atmosphere and a personality among the program that, um, benefits a number of different things, both on and off the field. And, and I, it's a really good point because we talked about this and, and for those of you just tuning in, you know, Matt and I talked about um, kind of the season before we even started recording. And we, when we talked about even on this podcast, how not fun those wins were, but it, it was just a draining year not just the wins and the losses, but everything the starts, the stops, the bad play both on, on every aspect, not just Penn state, because as bad as Penn state played more often than not, it was equally as bad, if not worse on the other side. And that is saying something um, in the big 10. So, you know, it, it, when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, it just was a lackluster year, but 
going into 2021, there's that kind of resurgence of, of Penn State. And I think really it, it's reminiscent of that 2016 team that you have a lot of talent um, and you have that that offensive coordinator that that you kind of that you believe in, really. Uh, you've got an experienced quarterback and hopefully they've learned how to establish the run game with all their guys getting healthy. So moving into 2021 and, and spring practice, what are you looking forward to the most to see from Penn State this uh, this spring? Well, I'm I'm a notorious, and I've written columns about this in the past. Hater of of spring football from a fan's perspective, um, the, the less news you get, I feel during spring football, the better. Um, I mean, you're not, and even during a, a normal spring where you know you cap it with the blue white game and you know tens of thousands of fans in town and tailgating and everything. Um, you know, the, the guys that play the most when we get to see them are the guys that you hope you don't see in the fall um, or you hope you see, you know, at the ends of games in the fall because things have gone so well that afternoon. Um, but with that said, I think, you know, like I said a couple of minutes ago, this is their first true spring practice in two years. Um, so that in and of itself, having kind of that routine back of, you know, winter conditioning, spring practice, summer conditioning in the fall camp, kind of that reestablishing that, that that schedule that um sequence of events that i think you know we talk a lot about elite level athletes kind of liking that routine reestablishing that routine and just kind of getting getting in back into what coaches what players and everyone else are used to from a uh a day-to-day perspective um i think i mentioned two coaches especially john scott jr and phil troutwine that joined last year um, I was just talking with a buddy earlier today. I think offensive linemen and defensive linemen are the absolute two most critical positions on the field where strength and conditioning makes such a huge difference. I talk a lot about, especially offensive linemen, but it holds true on the defensive side too, that physical maturity is the number one most important thing. You could have the most talented guy, but especially when you're going up against the elite level programs, you're going up against full grown men. And in a lot of cases, that just takes time and experience and two or three off seasons of lifting weights and working with Dwight Galt and his team to, to put on the right kind of weight and strength. So I think those two positions in particular, having that level of, of routine and, and normalcy, um, and then getting to work with two new coaches. Um, Phil Troutwin especially talked a lot last year about how he was treat, teaching new techniques to offensive linemen via Zoom calls. Um, he's on the field now with them. He's getting, you know, able to you know, put his hand in the dirt with them and kind of go through drills together. The kind of thing he really wasn't able to do last year, even in the fall camp. Um, you know, Penn State broke up practices in such a way where they were meeting with, you know, smaller groups and things like that. So I think just spring practice is a time for, you know, new coaches to get to know their players you know, teach new skills, new ways of going about things. Um, and this is the first chance that those guys had to do it. Um, and I think for guys that have been around, just, you know, working on fundamentals, getting younger guys um, snaps, because you don't want, you know, Sean Clifford, for example, that's probably not the best example with a new offense, but you don't want, um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, Jahan Dotson, you know, taking a lot of snaps because you want to keep them healthy for the fall. So it's a chance for um, some of those younger guys, guys that are fighting for snaps to, to get that chance to work on them 
Um, and then the number one thing that I always talk about with spring football is I just stay healthy. I don't want to wake up um, to a tweet one morning about, you know, you're starting up, you know, Rashid Walker, you're starting left tackle, you know, injured and, you know, carted off the practice field. So um, the, like I said, the less news that comes out of spring practice, the less meaningful news that comes out of spring practice, really the better as far as I'm concerned. No, and that's a good point. And I'm glad you mentioned the offensive and defensive linemen because we talked earlier about how they weren't able to get in the weight room. And I'll never forget some of uh, Micah Parsons or and, and some of the offensive uh, guys or some of those guys when they tweeted things out or tweeted pictures out of their weight rooms and they're in their, they're in their basements, they're in their, like their houses getting these lifts in and you can't be a division one lineman and lifting the way that you need to at your house or wherever you've got to lift. You, you have to be on campus to do that. And you talked about the fundamentals that they missed out on uh, spring practice. I mean, you talked, we talked earlier about, um, Trout wine teaching via Zoom. And that is for a fundamentally sound position, like being an offensive lineman. And, and even with John Scott Jr.'s defensive line, that is really hard to do. And I think that's really understated in the grand scheme of things when you look at uh, the 2020 season as a whole. They didn't just go and write it off as, oh, well, we got handed a bad hand and we'll, we'll try again better next year. We'll, we'll run it back again and, you know, expect things to be better because we'll be able to do things the way we normally do them. I think they realized that in spite of all the limitations, there were things that were not right. You know, primarily the offensive philosophy just didn't mesh with what I think certainly James Franklin wants his offense to be. But I think on top of that, with what players want to plan and what can be successful at the highest levels of college football. Um, and then, you know, the, the Tim Banks move wasn't necessarily a, um, you know, a, a move that they were looking to make, but I think it presented an opportunity to, um, you know, add, add a guy that um, James Franklin has said was a guy that he's had his eye on for years that um, the timing worked out well to bring in Anthony Poindexter. Um, and again, a position that hasn't, that has struggled the last couple of years um, for a variety of reasons, but get a new voice in there. Um, a guy that played the position um, at an extremely high level in college, you know, college football hall of famer. Um the success that a guy like Taylor Stubblefield had. And I think the success we expect a guy like Phil Troutwine to have those guys that have recent playing experience, um, I think is something that is very intriguing to me um, to see how that translates to both on the field, but recruiting and, and all these other things that are, are important too, as a college football coach. No, and, I, and that's a, it's a great point. And before we go, um, before I let you go, I know you're, you've got important things to do with the site and, and gearing up for, for the season. What are you most excited for, um, for in, in 2021? What do you, what, what is your, your, your biggest thing that, that you want to see or that you're excited to see uh, Penn state do when they hit the field um, in September? I think, you know, aside from the obvious and actually seeing them on the field and fans in the stands and, you know, hopefully with some level of normality um, when that happens, um, I'm excited to see, you know, hopefully a return to kind of that Joe Moorhead offense where it's, you know, big plays, throw the ball downfield. Um, you'll get the ball in your, your playmakers hands, um, in space where they can, they can make big plays. Um, I think even as, as statistically successful as, as the Ricky Ronnie offense was in, um, in 2019, especially, um, from a lot of the, the advanced stats and, and things like that. Um, it just felt like that element was missing. And part of that is, is 
you know, available talent and things like that. But it feels like something you said earlier, Jared, that this feels like in a lot of ways, kind of a, a repeat of the lead into the 2016 season in a lot of ways with the new offensive coordinator, with some, some skill players like Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington, you know, a deep, deep running back room with Kevon Lee and hopefully a healthy Noah Kane, John Lovett from Baylor. Um, and hopefully the emergence of, of some, um, you know, new, newer names um, along, along both sides of the ball too. Um, it just feels like that return of excitement to the program. And I think that's both internally with some of the, the changes and whatnot that we've talked about over the last few minutes, but also just, you know, the, the excitement that we're all going through right now that we, we see the light at the end of this tunnel and kind of Penn state football's parallel path that if you will, which is kind of a, a romanticized version of it, I guess. But um, no, I think it's just that this is as excited as I've been about Penn state football for a few years. Um, you know, the, the, the 18 and 19 seasons were, weren't disasters by any means. You know, they won, won 11 games and went to an, a new year's six bowl um, just two seasons ago. Um, but this feels different. This feels like, you know, kind of a, um, a return to some of the hope we had, you know, during those Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, Chris Godwin, Mike Kosicki types of years, um, where I think, whereas in 18 and 19, um, we went into those years hoping that things would continue on the level of that 16 and 17 season. I think this year feels like more of an expectation that that's where we're going to be um, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, and that's, that's probably most what I'm looking forward to is just, um, you know, seeing that excitement continue to build for the next few months up to, to September and, and that first game in Madison. No, and, and it's a great way to look at it too. And, and we thank as always Matt uh, DeVere of World Irons World for meeting us uh, and talking with us today. And we hope that you enjoyed having him on. Now we're going to let him get out of here and we'll get back uh, to, to the last segment of the show when we come back from this short break. segment three and the final segment of the we are podcast on dk sports radio this is your host jared progar um we talked to, to matt in the last segment and we greatly appreciate him taking the time to, to come on to our show today but it's always going to be an exciting time of year this time of year because we get to see spring practices and we get to see the combination of that come into into the spring game and that's something that as we touched on we haven't had that in two years at Penn State, and they haven't had that, or even around the country. Some teams are fortunate, more fortunate than others. Um, but this is an excellent opportunity um, to see that again. So I am going to be very excited um, as the week progresses, as we get to talk to Coach Franklin and some of the other players this week, uh, leading up to that spring game, just to see what just to see what it's going to be like, because this is the time where we get to see those new guys, like we touched on in the first segment. Um, and some of the players to watch, I, I think uh, you look at a Curtis Jacobs, you look at the King Twins, you look at Tangwall, and you look at like some of those guys in, in the transfers in John Lovett and Becca D. And when you're able to do that, and, and to Eric Tangelo as well. So when you're able to do that and, and see those guys and evaluate those guys in, in game speed, you're going to be in a better shape and you're going to have a greater opportunity 
to kind of evaluate and see them, not just when they hit the field, but just see what it's like in a game because practices are practices, right? And this is just a, a glorified practice as well, but it's as game-like as you're going to get uh, this time this time of year. Um, so that's going to be an excellent opportunity for them uh, moving forward uh, as they get as they gear up for for the summer now and, and kind of shut things down for a little bit um, practice-wise. But having that opportunity, I think, is going to be huge because this is. This is going to springboard them right into the summer. This is going to springboard them right into the summer and right into um, or summer workouts and then into camp pending any big-time issues. Uh, because as you, as you look around the country, there are teams getting shut down all over the place. I mean, you look at Pitt, they're having issues. You look, And that's just right across the state. And so the, COVID is out there. They've Penn State and James Franklin, I think, to their credit, have done a great job. Um, to, to kind of mitigate that, and, and they're doing the, the right things. Uh, you don't really hear very many issues coming out of their program as it relates to that. So I think that's huge for Penn State. Um, and if they can keep doing that, I think that's also huge kind of moving forward too to, to get towards the season. Now, as more vaccines get, become available, whether that's, a, that's something that they want to approach as a team. Um, I know I, I'm sure James Franklin would love to be vaccinated as soon as or as quickly as possible just so he can spend time with his family. Uh, we talked about that at length multiple times here. He's he's living in a garage above his... He's living in an apartment above his garage at his house. So he's... And that's, that's a tough situation, and, and you can never be too careful um, when, when you have loved ones that that might be at more at risk than others. In, and, and, I, and you have to feel for him, right? You know, this is a dad that doesn't get to be a dad the way that he wants to be. Um, and I know that wore on him last season. You could tell on the sidelines. Um... He wasn't the fiery guy. Now, of course, the performance didn't help either. But, you know, we talk about Coach Franklin and, and you know, at length, one of the more important things in his life, if not the most important thing is his life for his daughters and his family. And when you're able to, to finally be around them, I think that's going to be a, a great day for him. But, you know, you talk about Franklin and the other, other coaching staff. You know, now this is our, our first chance to see Ty Howell. This is your first chance to see Anthony Poindexter and the work that his – uh, that the D-backs have put in, uh, Ty Howell and the tight ends. Uh, you get to, you get to experience that. And then also Mike Yersich. I'm very excited to see um, Yersich and see whether he's going to be a guy that's going to be on the sidelines or in the booth. Um, typically, they uh, Penn State coordinators have been in the booth, but I'm excited to see where they have him on the field or in the press box. How he's been coaching those guys up and see kind of some of the play designs and, and see some of the concepts, albeit in a vanilla level. Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited to see that, and I think that's what the blue-white game is all about. It gives you that first, that first look, that first taste of Penn State football um, for the season, and I think that's huge. And and now that it's 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 nearly back, it's a great opportunity uh, for everybody to to see what Penn State's got and to see where those improvements were made. And I think that's going to be huge moving forward for the Nittany Lions, both now and into camp. So at this point, um, you know it, there is. You, the the expectation is that, that they're going to play it on, on Saturday. Um, I'm not sure quite the time just yet, but I will, of course, pass that along on, on our social media channels. And and we will have coverage from there as well. Um, something that, that I, I'm very fortunate enough to, to be able to do because not everybody gets to, to be in the press box at, at Penn State um, these times of years, this time of year. So um, with that, I will talk to you guys 
after the blue-white game next week. I uh, thank you always for listening to the We Are podcast on DK Sports Radio. This has been your host, Jared Prugar. Stay safe, stay healthy, have a great week.